Hello and welcome back to the Sunderland Preview Podcast. The lads continue to edge closer and closer to those automatic spots and now going into the weekend, or Easter weekend as it should be called, they could finally break into the top two and nudge both Peterborough and Hull out of the way and still have some games to spare. However, Friday's game is not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. And to discuss Friday's game and our opponents, Oxford United, is one of my favourite returning guests. It's Sai from the Fence End Pod. Sai, how are you doing? Are you all right, mate? Yeah, very well. Thank you for having me back on. It's always got to have someone back on because I don't have to explain the format of the show. I can just say, <laughs> you know the script. And it's fine. And it saves about 10 minutes of me rambling. So thanks very much for that. I think um, you're just talking off, off air before. We, it's not often I'll listen back to the, the previous podcast that we did. If I've got a returning guest, I'll kind of just go from now onwards. But I thought, no, I'll listen back to that because I remember specifically tipping you to win the league. And I think first things first, um, I was super underconfident. I tipped you to win the league and things have probably unsurprisingly known me, not gone how I'd thought. Um, it's been a bit of a bizarre season for Oxford. How do you sum it up? Yeah, it has been. It, it... We talk, you know, there's always that it's a game of two halves. And if you look at the form table, it's kind of at the moment, it's been a season of, of three thirds where we started really, really badly, um, which kind of the, the, that the end of that first sort of quarter of the season, as it is now, we got beat by Swindon. The, the, there were changes, the, the goalkeeper was dropped, new goalkeeper came in, and then we went on an unbeaten run, won about seven on the trot. And everything was looking rosy. And then we kind of ran out of steam a little bit. Um, one or two injuries playing Saturday, Tuesday. And it's we this sort of the the the, the this third quarter, if you like, of the season that we've just kind of about completed. We've been inconsistent. So it's yeah, it's been a really odd season um, from being shocking at the start to really good in the middle. To inconsistent now so what the remainder of the season will bring I've no idea I don't think there's any other runner form you could have this there's bad there's good there's indifferent I don't know what the other one is no um, I, it, we'll either do one or the yeah it's going to be and I, and I think that's the weird thing a lot of our we, we lost to Blackpool uh, sorry lost to Northampton who were really really poor and a lot of our fans said well that's typical of us We'll go and beat, you know, we'll win the next two. Lincoln, which we beat, you know, we, we won on on uh, last Friday. And weird as it might seem with your run of form, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see us get a win. It, it's we're, we're that sort of side. We are, I've got no idea whether we'll turn up and be great or turn up and be shocking. It's beauty football, I think, isn't it? Yeah, especially third division, third division football, isn't it? You know, you, you can pretty much, you know, Premier League games, you can, you know, yeah, you, well, this season there's been a few odd ones, but the vast majority, you kind of get a fit, you know what's going to happen. And, and for us this season, that's, that's not been the case. It's been, it's been great. It's been hilarious, but it's, it's not one you'd want to bet on. Sort of, uh, I wasn't planning on asking this question, but I assume unlike our fans, Goldie and whatnot, who went down to Oxford on the second game of the season and took their ladder to look in, I'm assuming you're not coming on Friday and bringing a, a big, big, huge ladder or a drone, possibly, are you? <laughs> it, it would need a big ladder, wouldn't it? Um, no, mm -hmm. we, we'll, um, we'll be watching it on iFollow, which it, whilst not as, you know, it's obviously not as good as being there, it's, it's provided us with an opportunity to watch the games live, which, you know, is it's the next best next best thing to be in there funny enough i don't know if this is true or not i'm guessing it will be um 
and this sounds like I'm working for the club here, I'm definitely not, but we've invested in a four camera angle. Will you get the same as what we get then? Because you might get a slightly better than standard eye follow on Friday. Right, yeah, we can choose the, the audio, um, but I think, yeah, I, I guess we get we get the same, we'll get the same video feed as you. So that that will make it interesting. One one of the things that, that they seem to do on iFollow a lot is show random re sort of replays whilst the game's going on. Um, and the number of chances you end up missing, you can hear the commentary talking about what's happening and you're watching a replay and it's like no 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 we want to watch what's going on that, that was we know he's missed or we know it didn't happen so it's like get back to the prop coverage so that'll be that will be interesting to see uh yeah for a four camera view that will be uh that'll be a novelty if you can choose our commentary house is great but frankie and danny obviously former player danny collins and i fully recommend it very biased as they should be before yeah. Sunderland fans as they should be but it's always quite interesting as well when People do listen to the more biased commentary. You see the comments coming out of it, it's quite good. But I, we, I, I love them both personally. But um, in terms of back to form, I've tried to split it into sort of three halves, as you've touched before, because it has been sort of, well, sorry, three, well, three thirds, sorry, three halves doesn't make sense. Um, that's why I never did maths at school. <laughs> um, you began the season really badly, considering, um, lost six and 10, I think it was. Why did things start so badly then? I think it, a lot of it was a hangover from the from the playoffs and losing in the playoff final. Um, there was not a lot of time between that and the start of the season. It was a bit of a turnover mm. of players, um, and I think there was there was just a certain amount of of the, of the players not feeling sorry for themselves because that's not fair. You know, they they want to perform, but but there was clearly something that that was holding them back they you know um we had um cameron brannigan as well um which was kept kind of quiet it was said that he had a, an eye condition but it, it turned out it was he was very close to losing his sight um he had a, a serious infection in his eye that was very rare the the eye specialist in the hospitals in oxford managed to pick it up um so i think there was a certain amount of the players were worried about him you know more than just a, a normal footballing injury it was kind of well career ending possibly and and you know would have would have had a serious impact in his life so i think there was there was an awful lot kind of going on around the club the, the, like i say the hangover from the from the playoffs not we we never start particularly well under uh, under under um carl robinson and although you like you said we lost six in ten i think we were still better than two of his previous seasons with us so it was you know we've really really started poorly and then like we were talking off air it, it culminated in the losing to swindon um which you know like you know you've got a massive rivalry up there we you know we've got a similar one down here that that is hugely intense and, and that kind of really made some changes around, you know, in team formation. Simon Eastwood, who's been brilliant for us in goal for, for three or four years, um, was dropped. Jack Stevens, a young lad, has come in and, and he kept clean sheet after clean sheet. And all of a sudden we looked like we were back to that team that finished or, you know, towards the end of the regular season last year where we were really steamrolling sides. And, and yeah, we went on a great run sort of after that Swindon game. When you mentioned Swindon before, I don't mean to mention it could be like me being <laughs> on a podcast and being spoke to about Newcastle, but obviously we haven't played them since since like 98, I think it was. It's been a long time since we faced them. So obviously I've had a, uh, a guest on this season and we've played them twice. 
Um, they really hate Chris Maguire, and that's to do with Oxford, isn't it? They really yes. hate him. Um, yeah. what, did, what did he do again? Remind me of that. Um, we played them a couple two, a couple of seasons back, two or three seasons ago. Last time we played them, anyway, down at their place. Um, and they went 1-0 up. We got it back to one all, and then 2-1. And um, he... You know what Chris McGuire's like. The, the, Quiet, the, shy, yeah. retiring. Yeah, and and he he was winding their fans up. He he scored in in the home game as well, and kind of took the Mickey out of their fans. You know, jumping in front of their fans, pointing to his name on his shirt, that kind of thing. And at the end of the game at their place, after we've won, he's he's in their players' faces doing the old kind of boohoo. I you know <laughs> the fists in the eye, you know, oh boohoo sort of thing. And and also that that was. Seven seven in a row we'd beaten them. So he's he's kind of holding up the fingers, the two fingers and the five and seven in a row. And our fans loved him for that, obviously, and and they hate him for it, which is well, that's football, isn't it? That's I love you know, you, you hear commentators often say, Oh, you don't want to see that. No, we do. We want to see that. We want to see that all day long. Yeah, we really do. And it's not it's not like Chris. Like I say, he's very shy and retiring <laughs> most of the time, but uh no, no, we love him. He's he's a he's a shit house and he's one of the best at it, to be fair, especially at this I'm, level. Yeah, I'm glad they still ate him. That's great, because that must be he must still be living in their heads. I think he'll quite enjoy that as well, <laughs> yeah. actually. Um I was gonna come on to this probably a bit later because obviously I wanted to go through the form and stuff, but you've you've touched on something there which I had no clue about. Um the one thing where I was looking at your team and I was looking at, you know, what made you tick last year, what maybe hasn't clicked this year was Cameron Brannigan, at least statistically. Mm. Obviously, I think we spoke about him at the beginning of the season when this wouldn't have been known. And I think I, I think I asked you look, if he was to go, how much would you want from him um, in an ideal world? And you said, well, realistically, about two million, but obviously the climate with COVID and whatnot. Mm. Um, his form last year was 33 games, uh, eight assists, five goals, I think it was. This season, 24 games, one goal, one assist. Obviously, the, the way I've worded this is a bit harsher before I knew his, his eye was falling out. Um, but what, what's kind of happened with his form and has that affected his form as well? Because it's, it's a life change in that, isn't it? It's not yeah. an injury. Yeah, he, and, and he's, he's, he's spoken about, you know, when it was, when it was going on, I, nobody knew, certainly, well, no, I say nobody knew. The fans didn't know what was going on. It, we, we were told he had a, a, an, eye, an eye issue that, that was causing sort of blurred vision, couldn't play. So... It was kind of, you know, oh, well, hopefully we'll get back fairly soon. Um, and it wasn't until the, the situation was resolved and, and he was back in sort of training, but but not ready to play, that, that he, he gave a couple of interviews and the club talked about how close he was to losing the sight in his eye. He, you know, the, 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 the specialist um, apparently on over the weekend i think he, we had a game against crew called off because of covid so they arranged a very that was very very short notice i think they turned it was about an hour before kickoff um that it got called off so the the players kind of did a, a, a little um 11 aside game um just to sort of warm up and warm down really effectively and he he came off with sort of blurred vision he was complaining of blurred vision um by the weekend, he spoke to the specialist and, and apparently the specialist said to him, well, we've managed to save the sight in your right eye, the left one we're not sure about yet. And he was, at that point, he didn't realise, I don't think, how serious it was. And it, it he's he's talked about how it sort of changed his outlook on, on football and how, you know, he really wants to get the most out of what he does now. You know, he realises how fragile a career can be. Um, so he, we missed him, um, you know, tremendously. You're right, he, he was sort of, he, he he was the heart of the team in so many ways. A lot of 
a lot of the possession went through him, but also his attitude is so spot on. You know, he's not a flash sort of player. I know he, he loves fishing. So if he's not playing football, he's sat on a riverbank somewhere. He's not off, you know, nightclubbing and that's not, no, 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 not open, but you know what I mean? He's yeah. a very down to earth sort of player. And what's a, what's a nightclub again? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been a while, um, but he, he's, we, you know, we really missed him. And he came back in, um, I'm trying to think, sort of around Christmas time-ish, something like that. And, and he's gradually got back to sort of fitness. He's taken him a while to get back to, to match fitness um, and, and some of our better performances in this sort of slightly iffy run have coincided with him getting back to, you know, to a certain level of form. And on Friday, we beat Lincoln on the, in the Sky game. And he, he was he was fantastic in that. You know, he was, he was almost back to his old self. Um, so, you know, Touchwood, for so many reasons, he'll, you know, he's, he, for us as a team, we need him. Um, but also for him getting back to doing what he loves is so important for him as well. With his, his eyesight and stuff like that, and is he like, um, if there's such a word, is he completely cured from it then? Is he, can he see relatively yeah, normally? Yeah, as far as I know, it, it, it was an infection. So it, it rather than a sort of degenerative condition, it was an infection that had got into the eye and, and, and was causing an issue. Um, so yeah, it, that, that condition, that sort of infection has been treated and, and now, you know, touch wood won't reoccur but yeah it's not not like a degenerative thing where you know he's got to manage it, it it's yeah they, they've dealt with the with the issue so yeah i feel quite bad now the way that I <laughs> the question was <laughs> no, like, well, well he's dropped off like, <laughs> well it kind of makes sense why he's dropped off now but um yeah but obviously i think uh completely life-changing but in terms of the the players that you lost now we spoke at length about this particular departure um, and funnily enough I've looked through the team and who's kind of played to replace him but Rob Dickey obviously went to QBR in mm. the summer for definitely big money at this level I think it was close to two and a half million just under yeah, something yeah and I think when you look at the start of the season and you see that you lose games and you look at the big loss and you think ah well it must be maybe Rob Dickey but I'm looking at the team that you've got now the centre-halves that you played then are still the centre-halves that you play now has Rob Dickey been as much of a miss as you thought he would be? Yes, and I think at the start of the season, definitely. Um, you know, we, Rob Atkinson and, and Elliot Moore are the two centre halves. Now we 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 had another um, John Massinio, who's a sort of senior pro. He's in his thirties, been a really good servant for us. He's got a knee injury that that means he can't play now. So we're we're kind of down to two senior centre halves with these two and by senior that you know that, that's stretching the term because Elliot Moore came to us with very few first that he came from Leicester um, he'd been on loan in Europe to one of the Belgian sides but hadn't played a, a huge amount of football um, and Rob Atkinson had, came to us from Eastleigh um, where you know, again sort of I think he'd started his career at Fulham He'd lived in Spain as well. He, he played briefly for one of the sort of lower level Spanish sides. So he's been around a bit, but not, you know, not at football league level. So I think between them, they, they you know, they've probably only got 50 odd first team games, you know, at this sort of level between them, at the, you know, by the start of the season, if that. And it, it took them a while to get into some kind of form. But, I, you know, they're both good centre-halves and I think Rob Atkinson could well follow Rob Dickey you know if we don't go up he could well progress you know he's, he's a very similar player to Rob Dickey he'll carry the ball out of, out of defence and, and and look comfortable on the ball but but he's a good ball winning centre-half as well so yeah they're, they're 
they were the, the centre half pairing at the start of the season, but they've they've improved. They've they've worked together really well as a as a solid pairing now. I can say it's probably quite a. I know it got rescinded, but it's probably quite a a good thing for for Atkinson because he got sent off on his like debut, didn't he? First game, it got rescinded, I think. Um, yeah, that could have knocked him because he's only a kid. Is he's twenty twenty one something? Like something that? like yeah, at Lincoln, it, it was it was a, a weird one. If the ref had given him a yellow, which it probably was worth a yellow, he'd have gone because he he was already on a yellow. But it was given as a straight red, which you can then appeal. Which was it was we got away with it in a way because like I said, if the ref had given him a yellow card, nobody would have really said anything because it was probably worth that. It just wasn't a red card. So yeah, he, he got away with it. He made a few mistakes early on, but yeah, he's he's looking like quite a player now. Yeah, I've seen he's played like I think it's 30 odd games. And I mean it feels like the season's been about 70 games already, mm. to be fair, but <laughs> um apparently not so. Um you touched on it before about losing the player final. I think as we know, when you get beaten the player final, your expectations are to miss out on the playoffs completely and go for automatic, you think, I don't want to go through that again. Don't I mean, I know he didn't go to Wembley in the way that we did at that point because of COVID and so on and so forth. But you still think, well, I don't want to go to Wembley and do all that again. Like, we, we don't want to do it 100% because we've just had enough of the playoffs. We want to go automatic. I think I'd just miss out on the playoffs. May I be happy just to buy? I'm just hate them. Um, but because of the shaky start that you had, did that realign expectation? And I know this sounds kind of weird saying all um, because you're eighth, but I think if anyone looks at the table, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that with a really good solid run of winning, say, your last 10 games, you could sneak into the top two. But has the expectation come playoffs at best? Yeah, I think now looking at your form, Hull, Peterborough to an extent as well, their, their form's a bit shaky. I, I, I can't see us winning Every, I think we'd have to win every game between now and the end of the season to to get into the top two. I think playoffs. Uh, I think a re, it's a, definitely a realistic aim. There's we look at ourselves in isolation. Like I said, we we've had some shaky form the last sort of six or eight games, but so as a lot of the other teams around us. We I think as fans we look at ourselves in isolation and think, oh well, we're 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 in dodgy form, so we've got no chance. But I looked at the form, I think, before the Lincoln game and out of the top 10, you know, we were, we were in better form than five of the teams in the top 10. So it's, I think playoffs, yeah, playoffs are realistic. I think automatics are probably beyond it. It's a tight table. I mean, I'm just looking at it here. Obviously, I've been concentrating an awful lot on the top two, as many Sunderland fans will. And it's not just that it's tight on points because you've got um, Hull on 70, Peterborough on 69, Sunderland on 67. Then you've got Lincoln, Portsmouth, Blackpool, Doncaster, and then you're just outside of it. Um, In third, we're on 67, but then you've got Lincoln on 62, Portsmouth 58, Blackpool 57, Doncaster 57, Oxford 56, Charlton 56. But you've also got like no teams are on the same amount of games because COVID's had that many cancelled games. You've had teams who've had three-week layoffs and you've had other teams that have had no layoffs. Um, does that kind of make it more exciting, that playoff chase, and knowing that like anyone could go anywhere in this season, just a total anomaly? It, it does. You know, like I think I said off air, but our fans have gone from, you know, beating Doncaster and, and Swindon in, in the space of three games and saying, right, that's it. Let's, you know, why can't we make the automatics? That's sort of like about four games ago. Then we lost two on the trot, including Northampton, and it's sacked the manager. And then we beat Lincoln 
first time we'd won on Sky in a league game at home since last well, like 1998 or something. So we, we we never win on Sky. We we break that hoodoo. We've beaten a team in Lincoln who were, who were third or fourth at the time. And all of a sudden, the fans are, are back on it again. We, oh, we're going to get the auto. So it's you're right. Every game, we've, we've played Saturday, Tuesday since the middle of January. It's yeah. been absolutely crazy. Uh, and this is the first Tuesday this week that we've had off. And, and it's, uh, it, yeah, the, the two games over Easter, it will we'll probably, you know, we, we could easily go, like you say, you look at it, we could go fifth or we could end up sort of 13th, 14th with if the results don't go away. It's, and that's going to be the same thing. Every, every match day from now to the end of the season is going to be looking at the fixtures and working out who's playing who and what might happen. And it's, it's going to be fun. I've started doing that thing where you get the League One predictor table. And like, I don't know why, because since I started the preview show, uh, the start of the season, I haven't had one result right. I might have had like the win or the draw or the defeat correct, but not once have I got the actual scoreline right. So me doing the predictor table is just pointless. There's just no point in me doing it, but I've still done it nonetheless. Um, it's interesting you touched on Carl Robinson there and some fans calling for him to be sacked at points. Uh, there's always a, min- a minority that will want something different to maybe the rest of the fan base because outside looking in, it hasn't looked like he's been under pressure. But because of the way the season's been, because it's been on TV, essentially, um, not at the ground. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, with Sunderland, I think one of the big things this season, I think Phil Parkinson probably lasted longer than he would have done. If I think the fans were there, he would have been gone by the time we'd lost our third home game or something like that considering it was more than we'd lost in two years. How have you found the, the Oxford fan base? Obviously, running an Oxford United podcast, you'll, you'll see all that reaction in the immediate aftermath and everything's done digitally now. So people go straight on the Twitter, straight on the Facebook, quicker than they had done last time. Are you finding it's more reactive than it would be normally or has not much changed? No, I think you, you're right. I think it, it probably it's more reactive online, like you say. I, I can imagine the Sunderland fans, if if things aren't going well, you you know, thirty or forty thousand of you in there giving the manager pelters, it's 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 gonna impact on on the owners thinking about what they're gonna do. And I think clubs some clubs have found it easier. Uh, you know, I, there's there's no pressure from fans to either get it forward or, you know, or what you're doing, you know, if something goes wrong, there's noise from the crowd. I mean, it, it's benefited some teams. It, you know, I I, I think Carl's there's uh, hey you know some fans will always moan whatever happens uh, mm-hmm. but I think genuine gen- generally our fans like him uh, you know he, he talks like a fan if things are going well he's absolutely wonderful if things aren't going great there's there there, there are times that he, he'll sort of criticise players and you think why the hell has he done that but he's he's done that with a couple of our players who who many of us thought in January there were a couple of players that would probably leave the club, you know, because of how he talked about them, how they performed. And in Dan Adji and, and Mark Sykes have since then come back into the side and almost been instrumental. And it, it's kind of, he, his man management is, is for some players, you kind of think, are you doing that the right way? But he's, he's kind of getting results with the way he has done it. And I, I guess football is very different to, to a normal workplace. You know, your, your manager's not, my manager won't go and talk to the press about how I'm performing. It's, you know, so we, we I guess football is slightly different in that respect. Um, but no, I, I think with, with a lot of the stuff he's done 
off the pitch as well. Um, he's he's got a lot of credit with with Oxford fans for the way he's he's managed a lot of things. You know, with the COVID stuff that he's done very well, and 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 players as well with, with one or two players with with sort of family issues where he his whole thing is no, you need to be right with your family. It doesn't matter about the football. If you know if, if you need to go and sort that out, you go and sort that out. And and he's he's kind of I, I, that's that's reflected very well he's got credit for doing you know those sort of things off the pitch you know I think he's quite well liked it I mean because I'll be honest he comes across a bit of an irritant from a yeah a Sunderland perspective but we've had the MK1 podcast being on twice and obviously we've delved back into MK Don's history which isn't that long um but nonetheless um they've mentioned obviously about um Carl Robinson when he was manager and they always speak quite well of him it seems like people when you is it a case of when he's the manager of your club, you like him, and outside he's a bit of an irritant? Yeah, I think that that probably does sum him up. You know, he, he he's like a lot of players. You kind of if if you if he's playing for your team, you love him. If he's playing for someone else, you hate him. And I think he's very much like that. He's he talks like a fan. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but what, we had a, um, a a chat called Womble, a, a diehard fan of ours who, who everybody knew who passed away a year or so ago um, before the COVID thing, nothing to do with COVID. And he, his funeral was on a Friday. We, for some reason, we didn't have a game on the Saturday, so the players had been given the weekend off. Carl had gone up to Liverpool to see family, but had driven back on the, fr- on the Friday to attend the funeral for him and then was driving back again to Liverpool. And it was kind of like nobody expected him to turn up, but it was... I think one or two people spoke to him there. He said, no, I, 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 we, in the pre-season, we played Rangers in a pre-season and, and Womble was ill at the time and the club had arranged for him as to be a guest of honour um, at Ibrox and they'd done some nice things for him there. And, and Carl was like, no, no, I, I, I wanted to be here. And it was, I think for a lot of people, that summed him up. You know, he, 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 was, he, he was doing the right thing and... He, he does do the right thing for the club. He's, he's talked a lot about building the club slowly and, and properly and building foundations, you know, and I, I think he's, he's certainly done that with, with the squad he's building. We've got a lot of young players that, that have some value. Um, so I, yeah, I, you're right. And before he came to us, you know, I'd have, I'd have had that same opinion of him. You know, he's a gobby scouser, but and I think he's, but now he's our gobby scouser. So he's kind of that, we've mellowed towards him definitely. And I think he's mellowed as well. You know, he's, he's still only early forties. So he's, he's, he's managed a hell of a lot of games. You know, I think he's done probably four or 500 games now, but he's still quite young. So he's still learning. He's still developing. When you look through, players and managers who are irritants and I'm sure there's a exception to the rule that somebody will point out but I think nine times out of ten it tends to be the ones that get on your nerves tend to be winners if that makes sense mm-hmm. like uh, Craig Bellamy he's honestly on the football pitch couldn't stand him quite like him as a, a pundit he seemed when I've seen him he seems okay but the reason I didn't like him is because I knew he'd do anything to win and um, mm-hmm. Suarez was another big one like Bellamy's probably the only player that I've ever feared of Newcastle when we played them um, back when he was playing for them and it's probably just down to that a lot of it was just him being a winner and Carl Robinson to be fair does come across like that he seems to be the kind of person where if you're not winning it gets under his skin and you kind of want that at your football club I think don't you yeah yeah he, it's something for the fans to rally around you know you mm-hmm. he, he's he's the figurehead he, he does talk like a fan um, but yeah he, he, you're right I think we 
going back to our rivalry with Swindon, for three or four games, their goalkeeper made loads of errors. He, he got sent off. He, got, he had a, a clearance closed down. If he'd have had brilliant games against us, we'd hate him. But we laugh at him because he was rubbish. And I think you're right. If 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 there's a, a player in an opposing side, you know, your rivals who does well and always scores against you, you hate him because they're successful. They're, they're winners. I think you're right. He, he's uh, yeah, he, he's he's done well. And I and I think uh, you know the, the fans will will continue. Whatever happens this season, I think they'll back him. When you look at Steve Evans, Steve Evans is probably the. He's probably the definition of irritant, but to be fair, not many people spoke about him last year when Gillingham was sitting mid-table. Now they're kind of making that sort of push at the playoffs and upsetting yeah. a few teams. Suddenly people get really frustrated by him. And another option would be, obviously, Joey Barton. We haven't beaten a Joey Barton team since we've came down. So whether we want to admit it or not, he became an irritant. We beat his team on Saturday. Couldn't care less. It was quite funny because he yeah. was a loser in that extent. So I think, I think that's probably what it comes down to. Now, in terms of... Um, players that he's brought in as well in, in January. We both loaned players from Rangers, um, obviously a club that I keep a close eye on. Jordan Jones, although he's been injured for the past few weeks, has worked out an absolute treat for us. Brandon Barker, very much divided opinion at Glasgow Rangers. I think probably wasn't quite the quality that Rangers needed, which is, it's no shame. It really isn't, not at the moment. Um, but he looks like he's done okay at Oxford. He scored two goals, played about 14 games, a couple of assists. How impressive has Brandon Barker been? He, he can be very, very impressive. And, yes. and it, it takes us back to that third division footballer thing where if mm -hmm. he could play like he can play every single game, he would be still at Rangers or he would have still been at Man City where I think he came from originally. originally. Yeah. You know, it, he's He's got unbelievable pace and he's one of these players that doesn't look like he's trying to run. He just glides. He, he's very quick. He, he's very direct and, and the, the, we beat Doncaster 3-0 and, and he, he played in that game brilliantly. It, everything, everything he did was looking forward. It, it was, as soon as he got the ball, he was either looking to dribble past the fullback or just knock the ball past him and roast him for pace. Um, but equally, he can, you know, there'll, there'll be 50-50 tackles where he just doesn't look like he wants to get involved. And, but, there have there have been signs recently where he's tracked back really well and got a tackle in and and looks like he's doing the dirty stuff you know the hard work stuff the stuff you've got to do as a winger and track back and help your fullbacks. Um, yeah, he, he's a player that, that really could be some player if if he got every aspect of his game right and not just the the, the flash stuff. But yeah, I, I, if he if he clicks in these last few games, you know, yeah, he's, he's going to be a real asset. Funny with Brandon Barker, because I don't really want to mention this because I feel quite bad picking on anyone's appearance, but there was a photo going around. I don't know if it made it towards you where he's got a bit of a receding hairline going on. Um, did that make it that far I, down south? I haven't seen it, but I do know what you mean. We, we had a player play for us, a guy called Danny Hilton, um, who was very similar, who, who clearly didn't want to admit you know that uh, that it was receding, and Danny scored in one of the um, the Johnson Paint Trophy final. Scored with a header, brilliant. He's gone over celebrating, and then he's realised well, that, and he's brushed his hair forward to make sure because he's obviously going to be on telly. That it was kind of like Danny, you know, you just accept it. It's gone, you know. Um, just shave but, it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It does look. Yeah, he's. I mean, I'm. I'm sort of starting to go at the peaks, but not too bad. But uh, yeah, he's um, 
Yeah, he's fighting a losing battle there, isn't he? I think so. I think he needs to do it. To be fair, it hasn't harmed him in any way, shape, size or form. Um, If he does feel conscious about it, Charlie White obviously has a really obvious hair transplant and the hair transplant has transformed him from being a five goal a season striker to a 26 goal a season striker so i can <laughs> recommend it um, yeah. if if that is a secret formula um in terms of other players that oxford have obviously for me you've got one of the, the strongest sides in the division i think the start of the season's obviously affected and that's where you are where you are outside of the playoffs at the moment but good sides i think outside of those six games you lost in the first 10 games you've only lost about I think it's seven since when like almost double the amount of games. But which players are currently on form for Oxford? Which ones do you think could damage us? Who should we look out for? Um, Matt Taylor, who's our centre forward, um, is a local lad that that uh, started as, as a youth team player with us, but then sort of went off, uh, was at Bristol Rovers, Bristol City, Forest Green, and he's, he's come back to us now. Um, and he scored, he, he was on 10 goals by about Christmas and was looking really good. And then... I hadn't scored um, for about 10 or 12 games and then scored two against Doncaster, I think. Um, and um, he's the sort of player that could easily go on a run now and get 10 goals between now and the end of the season. And he's he's just hit a bit of form. Um, uh, Mido Shadipo is a lad we've got on loan from QPR. He's a winger. Again, he's that kind of third division winger. So he's he can be outstanding or he can be anonymous. And you know, we, we just hope he's going to be the the you know the um, the former. Um, yeah, Cameron Brannigan coming back into form has, has been important for us. Um, we've had a lot of injuries, so it it's been difficult for for the team to settle and 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 be sort of used to playing with each other we've, we've had sort of pretty much every game three or four changes to the side so it, it's Sam Long who's who played really well at the start of the season as a right back um he's been injured and and it's been yeah a lot of changes so it's difficult for players to get settled in but um yeah I think if Matt Taylor um he he sort of relishes the big games and and obviously this is going to be a big game no fans there obviously but but regardless of that the stadium and and the whole sort of uh the, the, how important the game is going to be for both sides it, yeah he, he'll, he'll like that he'll want to score on the flip side normally i think whenever we've discussed the preview game we've inevitably inevitably as we already have done Talk about Chris McGuire and, you know, naturally when a, a former player that you've loved comes up against you, you go, well, he's the one that worries me the most. But to be honest with you, he's, he's probably unlikely to be in the side. He's not really played that much this season. He's kind of been off the bench now and again. And he was in our under-23 side to build up minutes um, during the week. He's got a great goal, as he, he can do. But I doubt he's going to be in the side. So uh, he's not been outcast, but he's not played often enough for me to, to think he would start on Friday. So which parts of the Oxford side are currently weakest and which players do you actually worry could damage you from our side? Unfortunately, both those things tally up and it's our fullbacks. We, like I mentioned, Sam Long, he's out, been out injured. Josh Ruffles, who plays the other side, twisted a knee against Lincoln. He might be out as well. Um, so we, we'll have midfielders operating as fullbacks. Um, so Aidan McGeady would be the one, you know, he, he seems to have really sort of come back into the side with the new manager and him and, and Wyke seem to have quite a, a partnership where, you know, McGee, I always thought McGeady was a, was a cracking player at this level. Um, you know, when we, when we've played you in the past, he's always been a threat and against 
against fullbacks that aren't really fullbacks. It, you know, I, it's going to be. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers and hoping Sam Long gets fit and Josh Ruffles' knee isn't too bad. But uh, that could be. Yeah, they could be in for quite a quite an afternoon. It's quite funny. I'm, I'm kind of like licking my lips at the thought of it, forgetting that our right back's actually a central midfielder and our centre half's actually a number 10. But it's just been one of those kind of runs of form where Max Power, who's currently playing right back, and Luke O'Neill, who's playing at centre back, have been two of our best players out of position. It's mm. It feels at the start of the lining, but I'm ready for it to crumble, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> yeah. um, it brings me, as always, onto the question, which I always get wrong, as I mentioned before score predictions. Um, it's been 1-1 every single game that we've played at the Stadium Light and just about every one apart from the start of this season. But I think I think we'll win. And I'm really superbly confident. I think we're going to go up. I think we're going to win the league. Um, so I'm going to say 2-1. We haven't had a 2-1 for a while off the top of my head. But where's it you're going? I, it's, it's such a hard one for us as Oxford fans to... to to guess because of the way we've been playing. Like I mentioned, we we won on Sky Sports for the first time in a league game in, in five years, first time. It's, it, so we've broken a hoodoo there. And and it would be just like us to, to lose to Northampton and then beat Lincoln and then beat you. I, I, I'd love a one-all. I'll go for, I'd happily take one-all all day long. Um, I the, the head is saying a Sunderland win. The heart is saying, why not? Why can't we win it? I think it could be 2-1 the other way. I'm going to go for 2-1 Oxford. I've got, I've got to back my team. Yeah, of course you have to. But Sai, thanks as always for popping on, mate. Always good catching up. Um, no luck on Saturday. Uh, sorry, Saturday, Friday. Friday, Friday, Friday yeah. Begins Friday. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what day it is, to be fair. Um, but I won't wish you luck for that. But after that, of course, good luck, especially if you come up against the likes of Hull or Peterborough, which you might be playing towards the end of the season, I'm thinking. Um, I'm trying to think if we've got... Um, very, very quick. But you, did, you did us a bit of a favour against Lincoln, so I would, I would appreciate it if you could... Take a couple of points off them. As long yeah, as no, you're, you're the only team in the t- above us now that we've got to play. This is the last of those games above us. Oh, so we can't do you a favour, unfortunately. Ah, you've <laughs> done one already, so I'll thank you for that. But uh, wish you rest- good luck for the rest of the season after Friday. And uh, thanks for coming on as always, Side. Cheers, mate. Thank you for inviting me. And yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers. Thanks, Jack.